This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, AB, you know the name. I'm joined <laughs> by my good friend, Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Amp? <laughs> uh, what's up? What's up? Um, well, there's quarantine going on. I don't know if you know about this. Um, just been sitting around the old place, you know, I, uh, decided I need some more plants because I was uh, dissatisfied with the number of plants I have. And I've got this $1,200 burning a hole in my pocket. Um, yeah. Did you already get yours? Yeah, man. Mine hit the pending mark, like almost a week ago at this point. Wow. So I got mine. Already, you know, uh, other than that, just just playing the old video games that we've discussed, you know, two or three times now. What's up with you, AB? Well, the quarantine's starting to get to me, got to be honest. I was I was thriving at first, as Mike would say, because it was uh, kind of similar to my normal life. But it's like, fuck, I just need something different to happen. It'd be really cool if it did. Uh, I've been getting really into Resident Evil 2, as everybody knows. I have made it out of the police station. Yay! Had to go back into the police station soon thereafter. Oh. Yeah, that was a bummer, but that's been good. So that's that's pretty much what's going on. You know, exciting stuff. Uh, we also have another very exciting person on this podcast, and his name is Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm offended that I didn't get like a little nickname intro like you did for Nate there, man. This is that's kind of fucked up. Like, what's I think what's I, the... I just called him Nate and Epp, I think. Yeah, but you, but, you went, but you referred to yourself as AB, you went straight to Epp, and then nothing for me. I see how things are around well, here. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to say Iron Mike Spears because you say that. In yeah, your, and, and, and because it. I said it like twice in a row now, I have to say it every show, which is fine. I like it. But so I, I don't really, I don't have another nickname for you, I don't think. Do we have another? It's fine. It's fine. I'm just pointing out in the casual injustices in my life right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm I exist just as much as I did last week. Take that as you will. Uh, you know, it's things are about how they've been. I'm glad that Nate already broached the topic of his succulents because I was going to bring them up because we've talked about that. Uh, I'm glad that you are expanding your budding uh, plant empire within your domicile. Budding, get it? Budding? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I. But no, I'm doing good. As as you all can see, you are you all are the third and fourth people to get to see my brand new Adidas Midnight Blue tracksuit. And <laughs> I love I, the color. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. Well, it I can tell the cameras on this because it's a little bit more of a cadet gray. You mm. know, it's a little bit more like that, which I really enjoy. It has a nice fit. It is very comfortable, and I think everyone should continue to uh, you know get tracksuits. Like you're gonna sit around your house. Sit around in a tracksuit. You know, it makes you feel a little better. You feel like you're kind of like dressed up a little bit. It's not like you're just like in sweats and a t-shirt all day. You're in different kind of sweats. And it's a nice feeling. 
and and whenever I go outside, because the only thing I go outside to do is check my mail, all my neighbors think I'm an absolute fucking pervert, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't want to scoop you on the succulents because I thought it was coming, but as I was racking my brain for you know banter to do up top here, really just hit the dry pool immediately and was like hey. nope i got nothing else happening in my life this is like you know been doing these uh these family zoom calls and this sort of stuff to keep up with the family and stuff and it's like now we get you know seven minutes in and we're all like well nothing else to talk about so i'll talk about what movies we've been watching on the streaming <laughs> pretty cool yeah like i i feel like that's a thing where like if you're someone that like like staying in contact with family now everyone's kind of in this you kind of i feel like you have at least in my case it seems like it'd be the case with me you have kind of like the same conversations each time and it, and it gets to a point where it's like okay all right uh we, we've talked about this however many times we have checked in on each other okay let's uh anything completely different happen like did a different dog come across your yard give me something anything to to give my life some meaning at this moment but i've I've really noticed that it's one of those things that it's like an ever-repeating thing um yeah there's just not a lot going on i mean i think that's it's true for everybody so and there's not much wrestling going on but at least AEW, even though they shouldn't be is is giving us a show every week to talk about so we got that going for us we're gonna do that on this show we're gonna talk about the AEW show from this week Make sure you are following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. If you want to check in with us, you want to ask Nate about his succulents, you want to give me hints on how to do things in Resident Evil 2, all that stuff is appreciated. You can find me at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. You can subscribe to the podcast. Please do. Give us a rating and review if you're on the Apple Podcast app. And make sure you check out patreon.com slash everythingelite. If you want just a little extra everything elite in your life, we got it. Here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Double or Nothing. We got some news on that. Some uh, WWE releases. We'll talk about some of the folks who are now on the open market, whether we might see them in AEW. We'll play Elite or Delete. We'll have that great little stinger before, uh, before that again. That'll be great. And I haven't actually listened back to see if we do, but I just assume you're putting that in and not just fucking with me every week. <laughs> no, I'm dedicated to this. As someone with a production background, when I say we have a singer, we have a goddamn singer. All and right. It's going to be the same singer unless there's a better one that comes out that's not 12 seconds long. So. No, no, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll run down Dynamite. We'll talk ratings. We'll do everything you expect from us. So here's the big news. Double or nothing, May 23rd, been a lot of conjecture about what was going to happen with that show and we learned this week that it's still going to happen on May 23rd. It will no longer happen in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it will no longer have fans. So what do you guys think about this announcement and, and what the show might look like uh, with, based on this with no fans? So a little tough to know exactly what to think um, because we don't know the circumstances. We don't know if this is going to be live if they've secretly pre-taped this at some point because we know they had taped through may i think our assumption was sort of that it was through the double or nothing show but you know maybe they banked the matches at that point um my assumption is also that they're doing this because they do have pay-per-view obligations they signed that quarterly pay-per-view deal with in demand that we talked about when it happened so you know they're probably not just doing this for kicks 
I mean, granted, this is a pro wrestling company that is no longer getting all the revenue they're expecting to get. You know, they this this company has the TV deals, which were to make it profitable here this year, but they're no longer getting the live gates that were they were counting on for these shows. So on some level, it may be that they have a need for the revenue. Um, so it, it's kind of difficult to know until we get an idea what their plans are exactly. It's not great even, you know, this many weeks out, five weeks out or whatever it is that they may have to have people traveling again and taping wrestling matches again. Uh, it, that's probably not ideal. Um, and, you know, we've talked about on the show how they probably shouldn't have even done the shows that they already do, did, but if it's going to happen, hopefully they're continuing to, they're, they're you know, they're going to tape everything at once. They're going to do the pay-per-view and then they're going to bank as much shit as they can to last them for the foreseeable future because, you know, it doesn't seem like we're going to be going back to normal anytime in the foreseeable future. Um, so yeah, that's sort of sort of my thoughts. I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's just that they want to deliver these matches, you know, uh, they postponed the Blood and Guts show because they were like, hey, we just don't think we want to give you this show in this context, you know, under these circumstances. So I, I feel like it's unlikely that their tune changed right now. Like, no, yeah, we, we want to pay off all these storylines and just keep stuff moving forward. So that, that's what sort of leads me to believe there's some necessity as far as revenue or the pay-per-view contracts. Yeah, I think Nate hit that pretty well in the head about the necessity of this. And rather than to go over what we said when they first started doing these things, that these shouldn't be happening, that this is irresponsible. But if this is happening, my I have kind of two hopes for this. Uh, one, which is incredibly unlikely, but they already taped this thing. We are to believe that they have everything taped up until, I guess that would be, the show's on the 23rd, so May 20th. My math might be completely screwed up at this point of my life, but whatever, the week of double or nothing. So, yeah, like there's hope of that. And then the second hope I have out of this is they've been really judicious about who they're using and where they are using people over the last five weeks since the uh, coronavirus has been a thing that has necessitated them to tape shows and do it this way where it's basically... If you're in this area or willing to be in this area for this amount of time, you will be on the shows. If you're someone who's based internationally, if you're someone who's based in the, the West Coast, if you're some of the people who are based in the Northeast or in Canada, you're not going to be used because it's just not safe. My hope is if this thing isn't entirely in the can, that we know that the Bucks and the SoCal contingent have been doing stuff for BTE. I'm hoping that instead of having everyone go into a combined area, just have it like different venues, different places. Like have like, okay, we will get our, we already have the rings available. We'll get some sort of stage anyways. Do the matches that could be taped in California there, not exposing the people there, exposing people and the population of them traveling from California to where I assume they're going to be taking the rest of them in suburban Atlanta. Have the Atlantic attention tape their matches and then figure out what you're going to do with the people in the international side because this is, something that we're basically seeing a third of the promotion or maybe a third to half of the promotion now on a weekly basis for a month. And that's really starting to get to me TV wise. And it's something that if they're able to do multiple locations and multiple shoots, they should definitely take advantage of it. And then as Nate said, bank as many more extra episodes and matches afterwards. So you don't have to do it again anytime soon. I don't know guys. I feel like this has to be live. I don't think they can tape this and put it on pay-per-view. I, I... Nobody's going to buy this thing. 
I don't think we can know without having seen the contract is the bottom line to that. You know, they're because they've done a good job of not having anything spoiled. Like there has really been no difference between these television shows being live or pre-taped, right? Like if they put the live bug in the corner of the screen, you would have no idea that it's not a live show. So I think whether it's live or pre-taped, what really that comes down to is do they have an obligation to their pay-per-view contracts that it has to be a live show i just think it's a a mental thing from like the consumer standpoint of are people gonna want to buy a pre-taped pay-per-view with no fans well i think i think the key to that is i don't think unless something comes out in the next few weeks we're not gonna know if it's a pre-taped show or not because we don't know now and they've kept everything else under wraps to my knowledge so um, that's an interesting position for the stardom fan, Aaron Bentley, and I'm taking the other point, Mr. No Old Wrestling. But they don't ask me to, they don't ask me to uh, pay 50 bucks to watch one show. Sure, but you are, for every show you watch, you are earmarking 50 bucks for a Momo merch. So it's pretty much the same thing. Okay, well, that's true. I'm, I'm owned <laughs> there. I can't, I can't even respond to that. But it, it's also something that when you talk about this, what's going to be, What's going to be like the people who want to buy this thing if it's live or pre-taped at all? Like seeing how the demographics have skewed for TV, seeing how TV viewership over the last month and a week have completely changed and have pretty much shown that that there's not interest right now in pro wrestling. Like, does it really even matter if it's live or taped other than the fact of WWE now has bribed their way into taping Anyone who wants to tape live sports behind closed doors, you can do it now in the state of Florida. Like, is it going to really be that big a difference when there's an overall bigger issue of people don't really seem to be wanting to watch empty arena wrestling? I'm I'm going to call my shot now. If this thing costs fifty dollars, they're going to do fifty thousand or fewer buys. I said that yesterday. I said it first. We said we were in the Slack together talking about it. Um. I mean, I said it first, so it's okay. All right, I'll pull up Check the, the fucking tapes, Check and I logs. will post Pull up it. the log. Pull up the log. You, you said about half. Private, you, but I'll prove it. You, you said about half, and I said, yeah, I, I would expect about 50,000. Yeah, if I, I, mean, remember the that's, I think that's a fair estimate because they seem to be down to like half of their typical audience, right? Like if we take – I guess I'm not accounting for DVR viewers on their current ratings, but – you know, they were doing over a million, including DVR viewers of their television. Now they're doing nearer 600,000. So if you take a million and they were doing 100,000, 110,000 on pay-per-views, you know, uh, fair to fair to project that out and say, you know, they might do half of that for this show coming up here. But I, Mike, you mentioning that the state of Florida is now open to wrestling kind of makes me wonder if that, you know, there's an argument to be made that if it was literally impossible for AEW to, to do a pay-per-view because no states would allow it, then, you know, they wouldn't have an obligation to do it. You know, it's a act of God force majeure situation with their contracts with the pay-per-view providers. There is a possibility that the fact that Florida has explicitly made it permissible to do pro wrestling in their state has created an obligation for AEW to fulfill their contracts. So this is mostly a long walk to blame the WWE for one more thing. Yeah, I mean, I can't find fault in your logic there. Well, speaking of things we can blame WWE for, they have released a boatload of talent. They did that uh, yesterday. 
and this is that would be Wednesday of this week. If you're I listening to that. this uh, on you know on Friday, <laughs> that was two days ago. If you're listening to this on Saturday, that was three days ago. Yes. So uh, I think we're still going to find out about more like NXT people that were released because it seemed that the only way we were learning about NXT people was it was leaking directly from them. Yeah, it it, it this does not feel like it's the end, no. and I think and I think we might have even more news basically up until Thursday morning. I'm talking about, of course, the 23rd of April, if you're listening to this at any other time. <laughs> so, I mean, I can imagine, you know, that, well, only Raw people got cut, right? So SmackDown hasn't happened yet. You can imagine SmackDown wrestlers getting released after SmackDown is taped because they're fucking... Well, they're not people. taping it. First, they're, it's live. I'm sorry. It's yeah. live. Um, yes, I'm sorry. I think technically Primo and Epico were SmackDown people, but also they haven't worked for... The WWE in like a year or more right. or so. Yeah, they were basically back running uh, the Puerto Rico territory. I forget. I think it's WWC. It's their yeah. company there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, here's some of the folks who uh, got released this week. Kurt Angle, Rusev, Drake Maverick, Carl uh, Anderson, Luke Gallows, Eric Young, EC3. It goes on. There's lots of people that got released. Okay. I'm not going to uh, read them all. But here's my question. This is, thank God, not a WWE podcast, so we will not really break down what it means uh, from that perspective. But obviously the first thing that AEW fans and just a lot of wrestling fans in general started thinking about is, will any of these people show up in AEW? So kind of two questions. One, is there anybody you'd like to see from these cuts show up in AEW? And two, is there anybody you'd expect to see? And if there's any crossover, that's great. The person that I both like and would expect is Leo Rush. He has a uh, relationship. Really? You expect Leo Rush? I if Leo Rush stays in wrestling, which is a he's someone that seems to be having a lot of various interests that have been put on display <laughs> over the last year. I mean, aren't you glad you asked me this question, AB? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this, the only this reason is, this is a wife guy promotion. So Leo Rush This is, is a wife guy promotion. He fits true. in perfectly. Uh he has a relationship with Joey Janela. Of course, they had their really long feud in CZW. He is someone that is incredibly young and incredibly talented, and he's someone that seems like that how AEW is, he would get the freedom to more or less do more what he wants to. So like that's like the one name that like really sticks out at, at me. I could see uh, Guns and Gallows, but I also get the overwhelming suspicion especially with something that was tweeted this morning of course today is april 16th for those of us who <laughs> those of y'all who listen on friday or saturday that carl anderson seems to be teasing already a return to new japan which of course he had a decade-long relationship there after that uh i know that cody tweeted about zach Ryder. i have no interest in seeing zach Ryder really but i know there are people who are and after that Sarah Logan was someone that whenever I saw some of her, I thought she was pretty talented and was kind of just not really given a position to. And I think that she would be a good person in the women's division, maybe. So those are, so I guess my, my two that I w- would like to see are Leo Rush and Sarah Logan. The the people that I would also consider coming over here are Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson and Zack Ryder. I love Rusev. I just don't think Rusev really necessarily fits in this. And I don't think that necessarily the cost there would be worth it for what AEW is going to do and what spending money they might have. Yeah, so I uh, more or less agree. Uh, Leo Rush is, I think, probably the most uh, enticing talent out of these guys. I, the WWE made 
no use of his talent whatsoever. He's a guy who's, you know, quite good in the ring and also has a underrated amount of like presence and character and just star factor. Like you would see him on a CZW show and he would come out and look like a star. And that's like in the fucking worst production quality you can imagine. And it was just all in how he carried himself. And like they totally neutered that. So would would be interested to see him get another shot on uh, whether I expect that. Dave did say that he kind of expected that Leo Rush would be the guy that AEW would be would be interested in picking up. Uh, and, you know, they could certainly use another pushed uh, person of color on the town ta- on the roster uh, since, you know, Cody spent all this time talking about Chris Bay and it's like, whoops, he's under contract <laughs> to somebody else. Um, so, you know, not to suggest they're like interchangeable, but, you know, that's uh, Leo Rush would be a, a great asset for that reason also. Um, Rusev is probably the next like best talent among these people. Um, and I think would probably do really well in AEW. Like he's, he's one of those quintessential guys who like almost got himself over and they just took it away from him and never gave him a shot and, you know, made him a public cuck and ruined him for no reason other than their own pettiness. So, you know, you kind of want to see him get a little redemption arc and show what he can actually do. Uh, so would not at all mind seeing him here he's he's a guy like uh carl anderson where i kind of am more interested in seeing him in new japan just because he would have more interesting matchups i think with your you know ishis and gotos and uh whoever else it would just be a little more interesting to see if he can hang on that level um zach Ryder, yeah so that zach Ryder, i think would be interesting maybe if you know th- they brought him in for like a little jeff cobb arc you know maybe just a couple paper appearance deals Bring him in for, uh, you know, to pop the crowd a couple times. You know, bring him in to put somebody over. Um, I think that'd be fine. You know, I wouldn't bring him in with what's Kurt Hawkins. They're a tag team, right? That's like a, I think that's a thing. Kurt Hawkins is Brian Myers, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that'd be, you know, bring him in to to be an underneath team uh, in a tag team division or something. That'd be acceptable. Uh, you know, I'm not looking for him to be a pushed guy or he would just be like, you know, Sean Spears with even less credibility just because he's been there, you know, a shorter period of time. Um, but yeah, I, and I do also want to shout out because Dave, Dave mentioned that AEW was uh, paying the talents that were not on, you know, uh, uh, full-time contracted employee deals, the talents that were just on like paper appearance, paper show deals. Dave said that AEW was also continuing to pay them during this time. So just uh, that's, you know, we do discuss labor issues on that. That's a, good stark contrast from all these people that were released. I think Rusev is like by far the most intriguing person here. And I'm a big Leo Rush fan. The only reason Mike, I was saying I was kind of surprised you say that, but I didn't know that Dave had, had also uh, ventured out there. It's just that he's had some issues as far as backstage or dealing with people or whatever. So you, you wonder sometimes if, uh, yeah, if, they, you want, if you want to put up with that. But he's so talented, obviously. He, he's so talented, and I would not be surprised if a lot of Leo Rush's issues are also being someone who's wanting to do more and being at a young age and being stuck in a horrible system like how WWE is. Like, we've seen that so many times. So I seem like I'm the person who's most down on the idea of Rusev in AEW. I'm going to pitch why I think that is not necessarily the case, but I want to hear your argument for it. So... The reason why I, I, I kind of doubt Rusev is, other than him training originally in Las Vegas, Nevada, no, he's a complete WWE system person, and he seems to be someone that 
like he he's incredibly talented from what we've seen but have we seen like any sort of inclination like he doesn't seem to be like the kind of person that is like an up and up wrestling nerd in a lot of ways that like cody was when he came back to the indies like i just i could very easily see him being someone who does a lot of stuff does just your big times and your new's and drifts away until things like this or just doesn't do wrestling so sell me and what I just can't see what he would add to the promotion from like a ratings or like a fiscal level in comparison where I can definitely see that with Leo Rush. So sell me on Rusev coming into AEW. Well, the first thing is he's really good and he's really charismatic and you can't have enough good charismatic people on your television show. But the second thing is because he is that WWE system guy, this is like the most intriguing jump from WWE to AEW. It, it could be. It has the potential to be. Because it's hard to imagine him elsewhere, since we've never seen him elsewhere. The idea of him mixing it up with these guys, of, of coming out on the television show, is fascinating. The When you're talking about, Nate, about him going against Shingo or, or Goto, it's like, that's hard to even picture what it looks like because Rusev is such a WWE guy. And you're right, Mike. My concern is mostly that he's just... He doesn't seem to be like a wrestling guy, you know, so maybe he'll just want to cash paychecks, at, you know, do like what Ryback did there for a while. Maybe that's what he'll do. I don't know who he's friends with in the business, you know, as far as how they're going to guide him. But he's really good. He's big. They can use more big guys. And he's just the charisma that he has as far as uh, promos in ring, I think is just something that would add another level that they don't really have. And I mean, they have it, but they could use more of it. And, uh, but mostly I'm just, I just be fascinated to see what it looks like. Two more, two more names. Um, Mike Canellis, Mike Bennett. Uh, he was like, seemed like he was in with Cody cause he was on Cody's list when he first left the WWE. And that's, he went to TNA just to do a program with Mike Bennett, I think. So he seems like he could be in play also. Uh, do we, I don't think we discussed the revival last week, did we? That hadn't I, happened yet, right? No, no, that happened after no. we, okay. we recorded. Well, I mean, they're obvious, right? Right. They're, you know, have been building this feud with the Bucks and the Bucks, you know, explicitly tweeted, hey, someday you're going to see this match. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, I, I wonder, did they get not get the buyouts of their deal that the other people got just because they, you know, jumped on a, week, uh, a few days earlier or whatever? That would kind of stink, but would not be surprising either. I think that because of what happened with the uh, downsides, there was no like buyouts to be made. All the promised money for that year was already paid, so there wasn't necessarily that case. But then again, I'm, the only WWE contracts I've seen are the ones that have been posted through court cases, and they might have changed over time. Yeah, we can definitely expect to see them come in. I don't, I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. The other two names that are vaguely interesting to me, uh, we don't know, but it looks like Chris Hero might have been released. And... He may just kind of be past where he was, but he is one of the best wrestlers of all time. And uh, he would at least be somebody interesting to bring in to to help with things if you don't want to put him on TV. Yeah, Oatgan shouted this out, uh, and uh, I was a big fan back in the day. So would like to see him at AEW strictly tagging with Colt Cabana to reunite Big yeah. in USA. Yeah. He great on a Colt great tag level. team. Great tag team. The other name of someone who, and maybe people have figured out that this was a fuck up or something, but I know somebody posted that Rey Mysterio was in the alumni section. So if he's garnered his release, you can guarantee he will show up on an AEW show. 
Oh, immediately. I mean, yeah. seeing how badly, how much they wanted them in All In and all that. If Rey Mysterio is released, that is one person that I think that everyone opens up their wallet book, their wallet, their checkbook, their purse springs, their uh, e-coin account, and send them all nice. the money he wants for nice. that. Yeah. The uh, my main thing here is some of these people would be interesting, but the more important thing for AEW, I think, is if NXT people get released and they can find people who. Uh, got snatched off the indies a little too soon, who haven't really done anything yet, especially the women, if they start releasing women and they can beef up their women's division. I think that's where they should focus their attention more. They've got top stars at this point in AEW. Uh, unless, I, I think a Rusev is somebody you make an exception for. If they release somebody like a Big E, I think that is someone you would make an exception for. But otherwise, I would focus on getting guys you can build up for the future. Yeah, and that's why I brought up Sarah Logan, because I feel like Sarah yeah. Logan was someone who had a some opportunities but was always kind of like not the focus there and definitely is someone who i feel like could be a good like backbone of the women's division and i i do think like the nxt people are the more interesting ones and and i think i'd be more interested in the ones that not necessarily have a big name out there and the ones that might have just been like snatched up too early or might just be someone that you know has not had enough like time on TV, but people were like, okay, this person and this person, we know how wrestling works. There's no such thing as contract tampering in professional wrestling. Like if there's someone out there that gets released, especially if it's a, if it's a woman's wrestler, I think that's what you jump on, really. Okay, that's pretty much the WWE releases. I, I gotta say one more thing. I'm sorry about this. All right, folks, everybody who's like, oh, they're doing all these releases. The wrestlers, the WWE wrestlers should walk out. They should protest this. All right. I appreciate where the where the thought comes from and the, the idea comes from. But you can't organize a workplace overnight. If this was the inciting factor, and yes, I agree, there should have been multiple inciting factors a long time ago. But if this is the inciting factor, you start organizing your workplace. You start having quiet conversations with small groups of people, and it expands. It takes months, if not more than that, to kind of put something together. So, And what's not helpful is pushing wrestlers to publicly say whether they are interested in forming a union, WWE wrestlers, because at the, the, right, at the exact moment that they make some sort of public comment that can be uh, interpreted as they're trying to form a union, WWE is going to smash that out. I mean, there's just... Nothing to be gained. Even Seth Rollins, there's nothing to be gained by trying to get Seth Rollins to say WWE wrestlers should form a union. It's it's bad and dumb. But the main point I'm making is I think we should give WWE wrestlers a little more slack than they get. The company is evil. There's no doubt about it. A lot of people have signed up there to feed their families or whatever. And yeah, there's sometimes you can be critical of the decision to stay there after AEW's popped up, New Japan's popped up, etc. But you can't just organize a, a general strike in one day. It just doesn't work that way. And uh, you also have to think about, imagine that the entire main roster organized and walked off. Well, you also got to organize everybody in NXT because Vince could just throw those people on TV the next day. So I'm just saying, let's let's chill out and be careful and thoughtful about how we're criticizing the workers there for their lack uh, so far of some sort of uh, combined resistance. 
yeah, I, I'd say that's fair, and I think that's something that people, when you look at unions, especially in sports, the MLBPA only really came after Kurt Flood and Marvin Miller. There were different variations of like players' associations, but it took that, and it took like MLBPA is not even sixty years old, and it's and it at one t- time was like one of the strongest union in all of professional sports. Like these things can't happen overnight. It is. The one thing I will say is you don't have to cape for the guy who signs your check. Like that's the one thing that is like this. And if you're a fan, it's even more gross if you are doing that as well. For the wrestlers themselves, especially in this time, I have nothing but the sympathy and empathy for like the situation, especially knowing how devastating this was for not just people in WWE, but people from around the wrestling industry yesterday. And I think that that's something that – like. This does not just affect people within the company. This affects the entire industry in an incredible trying time. Don't focus on the wrestlers. Focus on the real reason why this happened. And by that, look look towards Thursday. Look look till next Thursday. Of course, that is the 23rd. <laughs> yeah. Um, if there's one thing we know about Vince McMahon, it's that he has no qualms about getting rid of somebody or kicking somebody out the door if he thinks they're an impediment or something to his, uh, you know, universal power as the WWE and, and, and as the, as an institution, um, you know, going back to like, I mean, any era really, you know, it's like he has the rock or stone cold, Steve Austin, any of those top draws at one point or another, Vince has been like, Nope, bye. I'm done with you. I don't need you anymore. You know, people who still had a lot of money left in them, like Hulk Hogan, like uh, Randy Savage, like stone cold, Steve Austin was just like, Nope, you know, we're on the outs now you're gone. I'll replace you. I'll build a new one of you. Um, of course, he doesn't know how to build new stars anymore, but you've even seen it on the recent, uh, you know, uh, uh, live shows that they're doing in Florida. Like all of a sudden there's 30 NXT people on all these shows. So you can see that if, uh, you know, if Seth Rollins comes out and says, hey, I want a union. Um, I think this is what we need given this situation. You know, Seth Rollins probably doesn't have a job anymore and they're going to put Babatunde on Raw instead. So, yeah, so it's definitely something to be aware of. Um you know, it, it, if the, these are the people you're trying to build a coalition with, then it's not necessarily beneficial to be adversarial with them. This was a point I made. You kind of have to take people as they come and, you know, convince them to your side uh, rather than try and tear them down to convince them to your side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and frankly, these guys, even the people who signed after AW popped up, New Japan started signing more foreign wrestlers. You can understand why they would think WWE is a more stable choice it's not i mean that's uh that's false but you can understand why they do it's just hard for me to be <laughs> critical of of people for um wanting to continue to make a lot of money for the work that they do i mean uh, i don't know it's just a tough one. I, I see a lot of people throwing criticism at the workers in wwe for working there which i i'm sympathetic to i understand that idea but I just think there's a there's a bigger a bigger devil to uh, worry about in that scenario. Also, we did forget uh, Deanna Perazzo was another release. She was How originally originally booked on All In, so that's right. Uh, and then p- was pulled off that show because she signed the you know the ill fated WWE contract. But that was another situation where apparently she was happy to get a release. She was probably somebody who took an offered buyout to get out of her deal. So uh, she would I think be in play for AEW here or back to Ring of Honor. No. Yeah, I liked her a lot when she was on the Indies. She was getting better before she signed her deal. I've I haven't seen her 
Maybe I've seen her in the Mae Young Classic. I don't think anybody's seen her since. Well, some people have said she's gotten worse since she's been in WWE, so I don't know if that's true. But uh, that's my point is I don't know if she's good, but she's still very young. So certainly she has shown the ability to be very good. So we'll see what happens. All right. It's time to talk about Dynamite from last night. And let's start off with Elite or Delete. Delete. Elite. Delete. Elite. Nate, you want to hit us with your elite pick of the week? Um, yeah, I guess my elite pick is the Lance Archer Colt Cabana match. I think this was the only real match on this show that you could sink your teeth into and you could appreciate from a work perspective and a story perspective. Um, you know, I said that Colt Cabana is a guy who really matches up well against anybody and that this match bore that out because he, you know, was right in there. Lance Archer has been established as a monster in this promotion, but Colt did a good job of having a competitive match while still, you know, being underneath him. And they did a good job in building Colt for this match by having him be undefeated in the promotion to this point. So just seemed like Lance Archer's first real meaty win here. Um, and he, he came off like a million bucks again, you know, coming out doing his whole shtick. So, yeah, this show was mostly a slog, but we hadn't hit that point in the show by the time of this match. Yeah, this match was my, this was easily the match of the week. I thought that Archer and Colt, both really in like their first real like one-on-one matches, Colt, of course, did some stuff with SE before COVID. And Lance Archer, they've been judicious about who they've been having him face so far. And... You know, for someone like Colt, they did a great job throughout the week of really building up Colt as this very endearing wrestler, showing like, hey, you all know this about me, but I am a great wrestler. And I felt like that this did enough to keep up like that level of like, he's not made out to be a liar whatsoever. Like he held his own against Lance Archer, someone that all three of us picked as winning this tournament a lot better than anyone else who's faced him before, but also made Lance Archer look as strong as he should going forward my only one complaint is we had a pounce and colt barely got pounced he like he took like a normal bump he didn't go flying whenever i see a pounce you know how i feel about the pounce yeah i want a monty brown like bounce well, see, I, I think that's the problem is we remember the great pounces like even going back to monty brown you remember the awesome pounces but awesome pounces are few and far between even with a monty brown you, you only get like a 20 percent hit rate on a pounce. I think it's just a, a room with too much margin for error. You got to have perfect timing. Got to have a guy who can fly. I'm just uh, not not a standout move unless you're absolutely doing it to somebody who's, uh, you know, half of your size. Plenty of time to practice it. That's all I'm saying. It's a taped show. They're just hanging out all day. But yes, uh, here. So I, I feel like. I mean, obviously, this is leading to Archer versus Cody. Oh, is that obvious? I didn't. Uh, that wasn't so obvious for you a couple weeks ago. It wasn't. I mean, I think it's a bad idea, but I do think that's where this is going at this point. So, but you're gonna going to have these go, two wait, things. So going to the match that they've been building with uh, Jake promos at the beginning of every show is a bad idea. Yes. I'm saying doing this match at this point is a bad idea. That's what I'm saying. Well, it's not at this point yet. It's it, we still have weeks to go. Yeah, I just don't like it. But I've, but I've said why oh, I don't wait, like can it. I don't... I put, can I put the screws to Mike here also? Sure, I'll get off the hot seat. Mike, do you uh, do you have any thoughts on 
doing a, tel- a tournament on television. Because at one time you did say that tournaments were bad for television. Okay, I'm going to jump in first because I was part of this. And what I said was starting <laughs> your television with tournaments was a bad idea. Okay. Yeah, I no, like I don't, that. I don't remember that. I remember this is Check a mic tape, point, and mate. I don't remember. I don't. I didn't address you. First of all, so if you if you <laughs> well, that's my counsel. That, he's you, going to get in here. Put a stipulation on that. That's fine. I don't take issue with that point. I'm I'm putting the screws to Mike. All right. So so far in this tournament, we've had a good Lance Archer and Colt Cabana match. We had a fine, better than their pay per view match between Sean Spears and Cody. I still think like this is just eating up time and i still don't like tournaments on tv eating up time every other show on this show is a squash match because these are the only show these are the only matches that matter for anything the tournament is saving the television at this point is it i mean it seems like that the ratings before the tournament the the ratings before the tournament and as the tournament have gone on are exactly the same if not two thousand viewers worse yeah i don't know this is good if every if every match on this show was a squash they'd be worse I mean, buddy, if it was every match on the show was a squash, then we at least not have to sit around for the rest of the show, including a 45-minute main event that felt like it was three hours long. Give me more squashes. I, I love watching a good squash match. You, you, remember the episode of Dark that had like six squash matches in 30 minutes, AB? That was a great time. We had Febu Andre on that show. I, that I was did. an amazing I, time. I like a squash match, you know, but six weeks into pre-tape squash matches, we'd be saying, oh, my God, give me a tournament or something. I, in this specific instance, I enjoy the tournament because it gives us something to sink our teeth into. Like, we should be having, like, real stories on these shows like we were having before, but we're just not. So at least we're getting this tournament. Okay, here's my point. Here's what I was getting to. I hate the idea of Cody winning this tournament. I really do. I hate the idea of Cody having this title. I just think it's bad. I hate it. I love the idea of Lance Archer kicking Cody's ass and winning this title. I love that idea. I think that's a good, I mean, that's really a way to establish him, right? He he beats Cody. Cody hasn't won a lot of big matches in this promotion, but he's got great buy-in from the fans. So it's going to be a legitimate win. But every minute it gets closer to that match i get more and more afraid that they're gonna have cody win and then you got the fuck up one of putting this title on cody which i think destroys everything they had done with cody to this point and two you kill lance archer so early on when he's clearly has the possibility of being a big star i mean you're right if if they make the exact opposite wrong move then it'll be bad but yes (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna assume they're gonna do that um yeah Nate, buddy, we got this very boring show that happened that we have to talk about. We got to have takes on this show. That's my take. I'm not going to have an advanced take, assuming the worst, you know, three weeks down the line. Buddy, uh, this is what life is. We have to assume the worst now, and so it's what I'm doing. All right, fair enough. Mike, you have an elite pick from the show? There's not a lot to choose from. Yeah, there's not a lot to choose from, but I'm going to – I was going to bundle these all together and say, like, these were great, but I'm just going to focus on one. I thought that the Britt Baker doing just this really disturbing, like, I'm a uh, role model promo and, and rules for me being a role model promo in her dental office with, like, just, like, a breathe right strip over her nose as, like, oh, 
they're playing up the fact that she has a deviated septum i think is what they said it was like she like broke so, so i thought that this whole promo was really funny i thought like there's like a certain level of camp that isn't necessarily a thing that wrestling does very well i think a lot of wrestling camp is incredibly forced and i think forced camp is one of the most like angry just it's like fingers nails on a chalkboard for me and i really enjoyed this promo i thought that this was an effective use of brit as someone who's been she, she's had issues with promos in the past and I feel like that, like setting this up here with the fake dentist office, with the big bad, big pad of paper, and talking about how how she still believes that she defeated Hikaru Shida even though she lost. That that was just a great promo. I thought that was probably one of my favorite things on a show of not a lot of great things. Yeah, love Brit, big star, top selling shirt on pro wrestling tees. You know, a, a little campy on the promo, but um, you know, it worked. I mean, it's weird that she has commandeered a real dentist's office to do this promo. I assume this was her own office. I thought this was a legit office because they did well, the taping. She could have taped this, you know, weeks later and sent it in. I mean, after going home, she may work at this office, but I mean, are you going to be like the Rhodes and say that she's not a dentist? I'm just saying I've been hearing things. Okay, I've, I've been I'm digging a sure little. You can you can probably look this up in public records, right? I've I've been doing some digging. I've been looking around at what's going on. I'm just saying there's there's room to question the official line that we've gotten out of Britt Baker. That's all I'm saying. Have you already searched like the Florida Board of Health and asked for whatever her license she would need to practice dentistry office? Because if you're making these assumptions now. You're going to have to come with some facts here because we right. do have facts here, not takes. Yeah, I want to uh, just be clear that these takes are solely the part of Aaron Bentley and uh, myself. Mike and the podcast as a unit do not endorse them. Uh, and anything that he says is alleged and merely his own opinion. So I, I don't want to give out all the information that I've gotten so far. I, I don't want to release it too soon. I'm working on something uh, with some partners. Uh, I'm not really a writer, you would say. Uh, so, you know, I've been working with someone who's really good at uh, taking information that I've compiled and putting it into an easily digestible um, piece of content that everyone can consume. And when I'm ready, I'll release it. That's what I'm saying. Okay, weird. Somebody's got to investigate these things. All right, what's my elite pick of the week? Not a lot that I liked. I'm going to go with Sammy Guevara on this show after his... Not great match with Shug D. He cuts a, a very nice little promo. In the Bubbly Bunch video, he's on top of his game, playing right into the, the fake Latino comment from Matt Hardy and using uh, a couple of Spanish words in like a very funny way. I just think, I, I guess I've praised him a lot on this show, but I just think he's uh, at the top of his game here as a, as a character. He's doing a great job. So that's my pick. He's very good. Yeah, I mean, he... He was great. Uh, he was the best part of his match, and the flying knee should become his finisher, not the torture knee, because that flying knee that he gave up for his finish was pretty gruesome looking. And he's who thought six months ago that we'd see this level of growth this quickly from Sammy Guevara. Like he's a genuine delight, one of my favorite things to watch on the show week in, week out. Didn't need to go. He was always good. Well, tell us what was bad, Nate. All what right. do you delete? So I'll. I'll... Pick one specific aspect of the main event that nobody liked. Having JR commentate a match by himself 
um, was bad, and he was bad. Uh, you know, Jr. has not been as awful as I think we assumed when he was announced for this promotion. Uh, he sort of has a usually charming rapport with Tony and Excalibur. Uh, having him call this match by himself uh, exposed a lot of what is annoying about him. Uh, I don't know that he added much to it. Uh, and he also like just called attention to a bunch of stuff that made everything make less sense. He's like, Hey, why are there, why are there chairs out there when there's no fans? Like, I don't know. Shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> just let it happen. I don't know. You know, he's not protecting anyone by doing that. It's not like the ref thing where he's trying to protect the refs. He's just calling attention to stuff, not making sense and the match not making sense. So, uh, I'll, I'll delete JR doing the call here. Um, you know, it, 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 it had Excalibur been there. Who else? I mean, weren't Excalibur and JR both on that first Daily Place show? I don't know. It was them and Taz. Yeah, Taz. I don't know why they had made the choice to have JR do this himself. Maybe just, you know, it might even be that JR like has remote recording set up by his house because I think he was recording remotely when he was working for New Japan uh, on Access. So maybe that's how it came to be, but didn't end up working in the match's favor, in my opinion. Yeah, and it just was something that if you had someone like Taz, who, like, his uh, Taz segment where he breaks down, like, when he broke down the head and arm triangle was really informative thing, and uh, he's done a great job of those kind of things. Having Taz on the call where you would have someone to bounce off of JR rather than just have one person in this match that just completely just felt disconnected. You could tell that this was done in post, and it just really felt like, all the tendencies and all the detriments of empty arena wrestling was on display for this like 45 minute period and the commentary, which could add a lot to this situation and alleviate from what I believe was a terrible match made it even more of a drag. I thought like like his chair comment, like him talking about chairs was just so out of bounds that I started laughing while, while, while listening to it, just because it was one of those things. It's like, why is there a chair here? It's like, this is a false county anywhere match, not false county anywhere. This is a no holds bar. You got confused about that too. Like he was fluctuating between those and post. It just was very discordant. And in a match that really needed whatever it could to, to make it a stronger finished product, having a, what what I assume is that ISDN JR recording after the fact was not what this match needed. I'm just gonna keep talking about this match, so I'll do my I'll do my delete now since it's also part of this match. I'm gonna delete Tony Khan's big ass right oh, here. Drag on, him. On drag this him. Show. Drag him. Tony, we all saw the match. You saw the match before we did. You can't leak to Dave that it's a very good match. You gotta downplay expectations for this. It wasn't good. And there's no reason to have gotten us all worked up into a fever pitch that it was going to be good. Now, the promotion did a great job with the build of the match. I don't think there's any doubt about that. These little bits with people doing their predictions, especially bringing in MMA people throughout the show, that was smart. You did a good job with that. But you can't leak to Dave that something's really good when it's not. That's dumb. It, it hurts your product at the end of the day. Yeah, this is, this is my big axe to grind in this promotion is – Poor job at managing expectations. I think it must just be that Tony just gets really genuinely excited. He's like, oh, I'm running a wrestling promotion. And there's this match, and I really loved it. He loves wrestling, we know. So he just worked himself into a shoot and thought it was much better. That's all I can conclude 
Because, yeah, I definitely don't see the benefit of going to Dave and being like, oh, five-star match. It's going to be great. Like, when this is the match that you have in the can. I, I can imagine a world where this match might be to somebody's taste, but it didn't play that that well widely. Yeah, and it's something with, like, Tony that we get it. He, he's going to say this, these things, and, and we now know that Dave Meltzer is going to repeat those things. But as someone who's supposed to be the person that has been like the straight shooter whereas we know that other people in the promotion will work but you listen to what tony khan says there you lose your credibility and maybe it is that you think that okay we pulled off this match and we're being optimistic and like in the afterglow of it you're like send out a dm to dave and say hey this match actually turned out great it's a great match you're gonna love it it's just one of those things of like managing expectations like nate said and then also like being like this kind of figure here that like with the way that everything operates right now, and not just in wrestling business society, it's a lot of filtering how you're getting information. If it's going to be about the crisis that's ongoing, things with politics, and things from the media, it's a lot of how people are interpreting and choosing. I'm choosing to interpret what this person says. I'm choosing to interpret what that people says. The one thing that Tony Khan did very well, at least really with very few exceptions, other than like the pure sports build thing, is he was not. He was someone that when something was said. We were we could take it to that 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 he was shooting straight with at least people and who are watching the product and in the media. But with this, with whatever reason it is, now you have to put these things into doubt here because how are you going to choose to interpret what Tony Khan says from now on? I mean, you got to protect Jake Hager. Like you've already got this set up as an MMA style match, right? So he can really easily just kind of fuck up and get caught, and Moxley can beat him. And then you protect him so that it's not like, A, you don't have him in a fucking 30-minute match where, I mean, this was boring at times. I mean, bad. When they started out in the ring, I saw people saying they didn't like it. I was like, oh, no, this is pretty cool so far. Like, I'm liking the the focus, like, going in on, uh, like, uh, Moxley's abdomen. You know, he's, like, kneeing him in the abdomen. I was like, okay, if they do this like a fight, like, that could be cool. But then you start playing to the stiff of going out into the arena, and I thought that just got interminable at times. And it, it just did nothing for, for Jake Hager. I don't think he did anything for John Moxley beating him either. No, It's It's no. more impressive if he kind of catches him somehow and is able to beat him. Yeah, and this match got to a point, because I'm going to carry this over to, to my delete, because this is kind of like the real yeah. like, crux of things. Synergy! You, you, you know what was the most interesting thing in this match to me, guys? What, Mike? I'm fascinated I, to find out. It was the moment that they were doing the uh, figure four across the guardrail and the camera kept on panning over to where there was a bottle of Publix brand drinking water right into frame. That was the most interesting thing for the 45 minutes thing. I was going like, you, and the thing that got me was they kept on like readjusting it and the, and the bottle of water, it's in your bottom right hand corner if you're someone who hasn't watched this match. Don't watch this match. But if you want to see like something truly bizarre, the fact of the camera operator and the editor deciding that to keep these shots in where they were bobbing back and forth, like that was the most interesting thing. I was like, oh. Because when I saw that ball of water, that told me two things. The first thing is, now you could put in, at least in my head, and this is my own personal opinion, of maybe they edited this match together and they had the ball of water there where they decided to like take breaks and then get back into the match. Because also, if you notice, Jake Hager, for someone who gets sweaty a lot, he got sweaty incredibly quickly into this match. Like, to a point of going like, okay, guy, you need a towel off. Like, if this yeah. was a legitimate sport, Taping they would... Yeah, I, I'm just saying that that 
that in my mind you know how i am about psyops and about conspiracies and things like this so i know that this is right up my alley you i think that you put in reasonable in doubt and two it's just funny the idea that whoever was sitting there beforehand they didn't pick up the ball of water and throw it away like a good citizen but this match just stunk uh <laughs> that there is a world where this match could have been something real interesting I forgot who said, but someone said, like, take off the ropes and, like, treat it like a blood sport match where it's, like, that kind of, like, no holds barred, no ropes, like, just, like, a fight and make it into, like, if this was more like a blood sport style match, okay, that would have been interesting. But instead, you had, like, this meandering match that I that I kept on looking at my clock. And, you, and something I've said since the beginning, my big thing is with AEW, don't waste my time. This match was like the ultimate waste of the viewer's time. It did not value the viewer's time because if it valued the viewer's time, they would have found some way to change the match around, decide, oh, we're not going to build this up as what it is, or or treat this with special care that you're not going to have someone who's completely discordant post-dub uh, over commentary there. Because to me, this was just a failure across all levels. And so that's my own personal tastes. I'll admit that, that like the usual like quote-unquote grapple fuck stuff does not appeal to me. But I've seen some of the people pull off those matches in these settings, and it turned out pretty well. This was not it. This was just an abject failure, and I think was, if not the worst, one of the worst matches they've had on TV. I do. Uh, I think this might be the first week where BTE was better, a better television show than Dynamite. BTE was was pretty good. Now Tony needs to know that uh, he couldn't even beat out BTE this week. So hope you're listening, bud. You're not, we're not going to get any scoops if you keep addressing him so <laughs> so aggressively. <laughs> We've said a lot of very nice things about Tony Khan on this show. Just giving him some shit. He's obviously okay. he's obviously picked his uh, his favorite nations in the Voices of Wrestling podcasting. Network. Yeah, clearly, clearly. I mean, well, I don't even have any comments about that. I'll just <laughs> I'll just leave that I'll leave that where it lies. Okay. Ratings, really boring. Basically the same as last week. AEW goes from 692 to 683,000. But in that, they move up in the demo from 32nd to 29th, even though they dropped from a 0.26 to a 0.25. Who can make any fucking sense of this? And NXT stayed almost exactly the same. 692,058 in the demo, a 0.17. Welcome to Plateau Country, y'all. I think we've seen... Unless something like this scared off both any other viewers, that both companies are capable about getting 1.4 million viewers right now during the during the uh, quarantine. The reason I say that is I have our nice handy dandy spreadsheet that's available to our patrons at patreon.com backslash everything elite. And the last three weeks, basically across nearly every single field, AEW has had the exact same ratings. Like... They had 2, 0.25, 0.26, 0.25 in the demo, and and females at 18 to 49, 0.18, 0.17, 0.15, and men, 0.33, 0.35, 0 0.35, and overall people under the age of 35, 0.15, 0.13, 0.15. You get my point. This is a plateau, and this is what I expect to happen from here on in, and just to further elucidate my point, Anyone who says that, I've said this before, anyone who says that NXT won this week is lying. All right, let's run down what we haven't talked about on the show yet. It started with the Jake Roberts, Lance Archer 
video from Road 2. Jake Roberts opening the show two weeks in a row. I, I realized, so we have complained, mostly Mike and I have complained about a lot of the repeated Road 2 content that shows up on this show. But I saw a lot of people on the timeline like, oh, this video is great. And they clearly just, they don't watch Road 2. So I was going to get mad at you. I think that's a fake complaint because the more predominant complaint is that they have too much stuff on the YouTubes. So if you have good stuff, you should put it on TV. So, yeah. Yeah, but I but I hate that complaint. So I'm taking the other road. Yeah. The, to me, the uh, to me the YouTube. All right. It's not. <laughs> the point is not for a million people to see the YouTubes. It's like extra content for the people who are really into it. it it's for stuff like a, a shot of brandy. It's for like just like ancillary content there. Like when you're premiering this stuff on your road to show that's supposed to just be like sit down interviews and stuff like this and then reusing it on TV versus using it on TV and then it, putting it up all, on YouTube. All it is is the order in which they put it up because they put everything on the yeah, television but the order matters. back up on YouTube. Just like, I don't know, if you're tired of it and stop watching the road twos. It's a fake complaint. Got to make content, buddy. Well, that's what they're One, doing. Gotta they're make making content. content. Two. No, they're not. They're repeating content. Same thing. That's the thing. No, okay. it's not. Because but we're in a you... pandemic and they only have so much stuff taped. And they have to stretch the show out as much as possible. This is I'm not move on. I don't want to talk about this. This is stupid. They've always done this though. That's that's a fake yeah. Complaint. They, they've, they've done, done this, this before. Day yeah, they've no, done the this. No, the original complaint was that before. they didn't put all the good shit on the YouTube on the television show. That was the original complaint. And they started putting it on a television yeah. show, and everybody complains the other way around. It's stupid. Not me. You're you're wrong about me. You might be, okay. Maybe not you. Anyway, they they did put this video on the television show, and uh, we found out Chris Jericho is going to be on commentary, and then. They gave us the Colt Cabana video that was also from The Road 2 that led into Lance Archer defeating Colt Cabana with the blackout, as we've talked about at some length, I believe. Then we got the Britt Baker video. I think we've also talked about this at length. The uh, thing I guess we haven't said is she basically said, you know, you got to fight fair. She's doing the thing, you know, where when you're a heel, you have to uh, believe that you're right. So, I mean, she's doing a good job with that. And it did draw in. She was saying, you know, the fans weren't there, unfortunately, to help me overcome Hikaru Shida. I had to do it myself. Uh, so who's the true winner? And this led to a really funny tweet from Shida calling Britt Baker stupid, which I enjoyed. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was good. Uh, then this is where it starts. I'm not going to go through all of these, but this is where they started dropping in the little predictions. The first one was Ariel Hawani, and he's uh, picking Hager to win. We see Taz picking Mox. And this was good throughout the show where you would have an MMA guy come on and predict. And mostly the MMA people would pick Hager and the wrestling people would pick Moxley. Yeah, I thought this was a smart use of what's going on now, having like, these cell phone videos come up. And I think that, that was a good use of what the circumstances are to build up this match. And I thought I really thought that doing these throughout the show was a really smart idea. Then we saw Taz, apart from from these little segments and he's breaking down Hager's MMA fights and how he finished people and then tying it into when he had Mox in the choke on one of the first no fans shows and kind of comparing those two things. I thought this was pretty effective. Yeah, it was good. Then we saw Britt Baker in action as promised. She defeated Cassandra Golden coming back to AEW. Uh, the finish was Cassandra Golden's got her, her teeth on the ropes, which gross, and Britt kicks her to the back of the head, uh, repeating 
the attack on Yuka Sakazaki from earlier in this promotion. Yeah, I thought this was an effective squash match. I you, you could also tell like that this was taped before Britt got her nose hurt, but this was really effective. I think Cassandra Golden has been pretty solid in this role of enhancement talent, and I thought that this did its job. We saw Ron Funches. Didn't he get canceled? Did I, am I wrong about that? I think he was canceled for being friends with uh, the Nerdist guy, right? Was that his cancellation? I don't know. I just when I saw him, I was like, hmm, "Am I supposed to feel funny about this?" You know, it's you know, what, what level do you expect of people to publicly denounce? You know, people who have been accused of impropriety. That's the you know. Probably a sliding scale for most people, but I believe that was his uh, offending incident was, what's the oh, fucking Hardwick, yeah. All right. Well, I, I was listening to this podcast yesterday called And Introducing, which is pretty good. It's my first episode, so I'm, I don't want to give my strongest recommendation yet, have a, have a reputation to uphold. But they were talking about cancellations and how if you're discussing whether someone is canceled, that means they're not canceled because they're clearly still able to be out there. You know, they were comparing it to Isaiah Washington, the the Grey's Anatomy actor who said, like, uh, homophobic stuff and has basically disappeared and not been heard from since. That guy's canceled. Hmm. But uh, other people, not so much. Just a little thought. That's interesting. You know, the... I guess there. That's I guess one. You know, very few people have faced any actual consequences from the cancellation. So I guess there's one. That's good to... You know, no, I guess. Yeah, shockingly, the the black guy is the one who has uh, been canceled. There you go. <laughs> All right, the bubbly bunch video. I referenced this earlier, but uh, so basically, the the idea of this was that you had each member of the inner circle. One on their phone, FaceTiming with the next one. The idea was that they were all FaceTiming together, but we went from one to one with them cutting their own little promos. I think my favorite part was Santana and Ortiz trying to decide uh, which of the Bucks are which of the people they know from their neighborhood. Like, I thought that was a very funny bit. Uh, and then, of course, what I was talking about earlier with Sammy saying things like, he's muy sexy to uh, show all the Spanish he knows. I thought it was pretty funny. I, I did notice that Jake Hager had on a backwards red hat <laughs> in, in his part, and it made me very concerned that it was a Maybe he's just hat uh, trying to bring Limp Bizkit, Fred Durst, uh, <laughs> uh, Couture back. That's possible. Hey, Fred Durst is from Jacksonville, Florida. There is a connection there. That's true. I, Limp Bizkit I mean, is AEW core, for sure. Absolutely. I, I thought that this was, again, another pretty ingenious way of the circumstances making things work with this. And I, I did think that uh, Jericho imitating uh, Fozzie, or Ozzy Osbourne from Decline Fall of Western Civilization 2 was a really kind of funny thing with pouring the not being able to pour the orange juice into the glass. So I, I thought this was a good little bit. I, I thought this was a strong thing that they did that not necessarily you've been seeing a lot of during this time. Jericho in his part was kind of like, making jokes about Adam Page. And I've noticed just on commentary and here he's still really trying to push the elite thing. And I, I don't know if it's that they just want to kind of make sure that's still in your brain for when blood and guts comes back or if they're trying to build to something uh, between the two teams. I don't know if it's before or just like sooner than you would expect for something between those two things to happen. Yeah. Hard to say. I, I think he said something about, didn't he explicitly reference blood and guts at some point on the show? I think he did. Yeah, he's made mention of it occasionally. Like he's the one that's been keeping it. Yeah, I think that's so a good I think point. He's trying to keep that keep that alive 
not let people mm. think it's totally by the wayside. Next up, we had Sammy Guevara. He defeated Suge D with the torture D, which I thought looked really good. Uh, just like a, it looked particularly brutal, I thought. His knees look great. Yeah. Uh, after the match, he cuts the promo I talked about earlier. He says, spoiler, I'm going to beat the shit out of Darby Allen." He starts to beat down Suge D, and Darby comes out to make the save. So Darby in the building. There was a lot of cussing on this show last <laughs> night, I noticed. Like, they, they censored a lot of Jericho on commentary, and they ha- they hit their two occasions that they used the word shit, and then they started censoring a lot, which I thought was kind of funny. Then we had uh, Kip Sabian defeating Chuck Taylor. Really a big bummer that Kip Sabian apparently lives close enough to be able to be on like every fucking one of these shows. Uh, it was a, a roll up bridge combo here to beat Chucky e. T. Yeah. So orange Cassidy, you know, parodying, uh, Penelope Ford and getting up on the apron and trying to look alluring and to distract Kip Sabian. Pretty much the only thing in the back half of the show that was, you know, made, made my meter move whatsoever. The rest of it was just like, yeah, yeah, this is happening. Orange, orange got a little bit of a laugh from me. So, yeah, that 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 was like a general like just giggle match in this match. That has this is just something. Has Kip Sabian been in a singles match that has been less than twelve minutes long in this promotion? I don't know. He should be, but I really can't speak to that. I can't think of one. Nate, can you think of? Has he been in any like singles matches that have been any shorter than the twelve minutes? Don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe on dark. But, yeah, it's it's never good. I was noticing during this match, he does, like, these weird things. Like, before he's about to do a movement, he kind of, like, winds up for it, and it fucking annoys me. It's like, Kip, just do the thing, bud. kind of what Kenny Omega does, right? He kind of, like, winds yeah, and it's, up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yes. I will say, so they added Jimmy Havoc to this little unit. That is an improvement. <laughs> that does give Jimmy something to do. And, you know, comes comes from reality on some level. So that's, uh, you know. It gives a little more juice to these all three of those people. Yeah, and especially with like who knows next time that we'll see the original Death Dealer, the uh, Japanese Deathmatch legend Luther around. I'm glad that it gives Jimmy something to do. And I thought that just like the general thing of like, oh, he's the guy that lives with them is just like a great idea to start. You know, it's like who is this guy? Oh, he's our roommate Jimmy. He, uh, I, I knew him from I knew him from England, and now he's hanging out with us. It's cool. Like that 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 is actually a very relatable unit formation, right? Yeah, there. Jimmy Havoc is like the uncle who lives in the basement because he's you know kind of a burnout or whatever. That's like a good. He's like. Too old to be living with, you know, his parents or his uh, sister, you know, whatever the case might be. I think that's a good role for him. Kind of, kind of uh, rings true. So I guess it was that Kip and Jimmy, I'm just, I'm guessing here, they already lived together. And then Kip and Penelope happened, and so she moved in. I mean, that's a fair sus guess, I guess, you know. I'm just trying to, I was just trying to think of the most... Believable way, or yeah, just I mean, how I, these three people came to live together. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, both came over from the UK at some point to live in a foreign country. Stands reason, be like, hey, you want to live together? And then, yeah, obviously now Kip and Penelope are engaged. I, one thing they should do, and I think it's a great way to fill out time, is they should film like just like their everyday life in this house. Like you, you have the idea that Kip and Penelope are just like the most extra couple, you know, and then just like Jimmy Havoc, like coming up through the basement. He kicks open the door. You have AFI playing in the background or some 
like TV safe version of it. Like he walks over, gets a beer, like sneers and goes back downstairs, shoves, close the door. And I just think that'd be a f- real funny way to define this unit. I think, uh, yeah. So there are definitely potential for vignettes here. Like Kip and Penelope are trying to stream the Sims four for Twitch and Jimmy's <laughs> music in the basement is just too fucking loud. And they're getting annoyed about it. There's money there. I would also watch if they did like a bubbly bunch, but with Kip and Penelope's Sims household, that's very funny to me. Oh, that'd be great. Like if they you do some like Machinima with yes. Sims 4 as like content. Yes. There There's we go. Money here. I'm just also imagining like during like the Twitch, like having them like stomp down going, Jimmy, Jimmy, turn off the shitty music. Jimmy, Jimmy. It's this is the, this actually has me completely turned around on Kip Sabian now. I can sit through the 15 minute matches if we wow. get the uh, couple and their dirt bag uh, roommate. He's the basement uncle. Basement uncle. There we go. Basement uncle Jimmy Havoc. That's his name from now on. It would make these shows more interesting if they used this time that they put this match on for something like that. If they did like a 10 minute vignette. Yeah, just have I mean, just have their sim stream as the main focus and put the match picture in picture in the corner. That's good. It's it's like, uh, and Tony Schiavone would be familiar with this. It would be like you know NWO in the in the height of it, where everything, all the matches were in picture in picture, and we just saw, you know, Kevin Nash showing up to the arena in the yes. in the main screen. So I mean, it would it would make sense. It would work. Well, fortunately, after this kind of disappointing match, they brought us uh, a real heater. They really picked things up with Sean Spears defeating Justin Law, my new favorite wrestler, hitting with the C four and one. Does anybody have anything to say about this match? When he first came out, I thought they said Justin Long. And I was like, ah, <laughs> remember him? He's a Macintosh Apple. Yeah, sure. It was a squash. It, I didn't like the squash as much as the one that Brett had earlier. No, they did it. I mean, they did the little. I don't think you should be named. I don't think you should be named Justin in wrestling unless you're doing a just incredible pun. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. The name Justin is reserved for goofy wrestling gimmick puns now. I don't think you can be Justin Law. And and, and all, or you have to be like the one person in your local shindy that's named Justin Sane. Justin Sane, that's fine. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. The 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 Kip. I'm not sure how this works, but I think it's funny, so I'm going to say it. This is Aaron's joke of the week. <laughs> the, the Kip, Penelope, and Jimmy thing could be called Justin Laws. In laws. Yeah. I don't know. Is there something there? It doesn't really work, but you know, I appreciate the swing. <laughs> hey, points for effort there, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it. And, of course, the show closed with John Moxley defeating Jake Hager, hit him with the paradigm shift onto a chair, which I think we have uh, aptly discussed. So I want to tell you about Patreon. Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. Had a fun show this week, Kath Barbadoro. I thought it was very good. We talked a lot about comedy and her comedy career and – what it's like to get up in front of people and, and bear your soul in that kind of way. And that was interesting. And we kind of tied that into what it's like being a live performer when like all this shit is going on and you can't do the thing that you do that, that makes you feel good. So that was fun to talk about. We talked about traveling. We talked, uh, there was AW talk, I promise. Uh, the kind of stuff that Kath likes about AW. And she had some interesting thoughts on comedy matches, you know, just from her background. And she talked about the, uh, the Omega Nakazawa match from the from the week before, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, so I hope you'll check that out. We also, of course, Mike and I and Nate did AW Light 
this past week. Next week, we'll do that again on Wednesday. Get you ready for Dynamite, as we always do. Big BTE episode 200 coming up. That's right. So check out uh, Light for the recap on that. It's, uh, you know, probably built as well as the Hager and Moxley match and definitely going to be a better match. Are, are you going to add in, Nate, recaps of a shot of Brandy to the blog It recap. seems like Mike has uh, claimed the shot of Brandy corner there. So I'm going to leave. You know, if it's not vlog with story content, then then it's not really my wheelhouse. Yeah, the, this is not serial content. There's no continuity between each episode. So I understand that and I appreciate that. I think it's something that I would be very abused. And it's kind of sad that like we're it's not it's not people else to do this. Each of us try to make a shot of brandy recipe. Of course, for UAB, we have to find one that's like properly vegetarian and does not require the alcohol. But then we we try them. Like that could be a that could be a good that's fun. Well, a Patreon. That's product. funny content. That'd be good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, shot of brandy is the most after BTE is the most must see thing on the AEW Extended Universe uh, YouTube pages each week. So everyone watch shot of brandy, especially the one with Darby. The Darby one was great. Yeah, I want to watch that one. So next week on the Patreon, we haven't really decided, but I have recorded a show with uh, Maxwell RBR, and he talks about his time booking freelance wrestling in Chicago, which I think is interesting to hear from somebody who actually booked a wrestling promotion. We tie that into, you know, what it's like uh, doing that and how that's affected his watching AEW and what he thinks about AEW's booking. So I think that's pretty fascinating. I don't know if uh, maybe we'll record something else this weekend or decide to put that up, but you will hear that eventually. So go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We got three price tiers, all very affordable. You get a lot of great content out of each of them. And if you want to check something out before you subscribe, we have put up for free an episode called This is Cody, where Rich Krejci and I dig into Cody's entire career. So check that out for a sample and then uh, sign up patreon.com slash everything elite i'm working on does anybody care about this i'm working on a smoky mountain wrestling retrospective do you think anybody will listen to this i mean people are desperate for content right now for sure yeah so, that's a good point yeah i mean i you know you put anything up and anybody puts any podcast up you're gonna you're gonna hit a dozen downloads at least so <laughs> if that does it for you i think i think that smoky mountain is one of the territories that isn't necessarily thought of especially because like it's time period of when it came about so i think having like a retrospective about this especially now that we're what 25 years after it shut down or thereabout oh like yeah 95 yeah so this is 25 years afterwards i think that's interesting at the very least and as a history dork and as someone who's doing a similar project of a certain vein like that i definitely see the appeal of it and i think you should go for it it's I've, i've started watching it i'm three episodes i watched it live as a kid uh, but I've, I've gone back and watched it. I'm three episodes in, and it's so good. I love it so much. I'm so happy to be watching it. So anyway, I'm going to do that at some point. You, you see, you actually had like a notable thing to watch locally growing up. I had a really bad Dallas-Fort Worth trash indie that it's only good thing is to produce Lance Archer. Like, Yeah, we got, we got Smoky Mountain, and uh, we also picked up USWA where I lived. So you would get some of that. That's where I first learned about Brian Christopher. Rest in peace. I think I was watching uh, Star Trek The Next Generation during this point of my life. That's fair. I was, uh, shockingly, a huge wrestling nerd from, like, five years old on. So, as soon as I, I found out, it, like, I saw, like, the fucking Ultimate Warrior, and it just blew my mind. That was when I was in my big game show phase. Really had a... <laughs> it was a really thing, good, like, was, string of young stuff. man, of course, goes through the big game show phase. <laughs> it's part of life. I, I mean... I mean, like, l- let me put it out there. I mean, early 90s, you had 
Nickelodeon's great slate of game shows going that, on. Now there. that's true. I gotta I'll you, side with you here. You, you had Supermarket Sweep come on in the mid nineties. Oh, I love like that's, Supermarket Sweep. Some of it's on Amazon. It is a weird watch. Go watch mm. like some of the mid nineties uh, Supermarket Sweep. Then you had like the classics on uh, on Syndicate TV. There were a lot of great game shows at that point. I mean, yeah. you, had, you had When Loser Draw was on as well. I mean, what's there was... what's the one? What's the Big Money No Whammies? That was my favorite. Oh, Pressure Luck. Yeah, I fucking love that show. Which it was all. You know, this was like on Game Show Network at this point. Oh yeah, remember, absolutely. But... Like there are times still to this day that I will put on like buzzer or game show network and just have the game shows on in the background while I'm working, just because like there's some like some just like kind of pleasant. It's just also interesting to see how like how crazy things are in retrospect. Like Supermarket Sweep is an insane show to watch in 2020. Like seriously, if you have Amazon Prime or you have Billy watch it, everyone go watch Supermarket Sweep, like the original edition. It is wild. It's no um gross Gro- gro- grocery games? I don't know. What's the right, name of that? You're, you're, you're talking about guys' grocery games, and we do not talk about no, that in the spirit household. No, or maybe I am. I don't know. I wish Oatgan were here. We went to the restaurant together, the guy who was on the show. Is it, I mean, is it similar to Supermarket Sweep? I've never seen an episode of it, because I refuse to besmirk. I, like, leave the memories alone. <laughs> I don't want to ruin my memories of Supermarket Sweep. That's fair. All right. Dark this past week was one match, so we'll see how many matches it has. <laughs> Next week, you can we'll talk all about that on AW Light on Wednesday. And then on April 22nd, the next episode of Dynamite from the undisclosed location, sometimes multiple locations, as it was this week, we'll have two TNT Championship Tournament quarterfinal matches. Sammy Guevara taking on Darby Allen and Dustin taking on Kip Sabian. And we're also going to see Jimmy Havoc versus Orange Cassidy. <laughs> And uh, of course, uh, Wardlow will be in action. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of worried they're going to put Jimmy Havoc over there, right? Because they just gave him a new thing to do. <laughs> but they they yeah. went to all that effort, like legitimizing Orange Cassidy in the pack match, and now I don't see, I don't see a natural loser there. I miss Pack guys. I think we all miss Pack. If, if if Jimmy Havoc wins, Nate, we're the losers. Fair fans we all lose i don't know that's interesting um it doesn't matter i don't think who wins well it doesn't really matter to beat orange <laughs> like right he's never going to be right. you know pushed at a level where you have to take him as a legitimate competitor but i don't know he's kind of he's kind of interesting as a character which they paid off in that pack match where it's like oh you know he doesn't care but if he does care he's gonna go fucking super saiyan on you or whatever and this is uh this this booking kind of works against that if it uh, if if they don't really want to kill Jimmy Havoc and it seems like they don't want to kill Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, unfortunately, they just have like fifteen people. <laughs> it yeah. seems like that they're working with, so that's just what we're getting. All right. Well, I don't have any other notes from this week. Anything else you guys want to cover before we get out of here? Okay. Follow us everything AEW if you want to get in touch with us. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Oh, I just remembered something I meant to say earlier. Our our very big fan, uh, great follower and supporter, Drew Housen on Twitter. He said, he asked the most important question. I can't believe we didn't address it on this show. Does Jake Hager get to go home? Not, not if they're going to abide by their stipulations as promotion. And that was the, you know, they promised they're going to abide by their stipulations. Jake's wife said he can't go home. Maybe it's maybe he just has to quarantine for a few weeks and then he can go home. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. 
Catalina Hager made a broad proclamation, and we have to see it enforced. It might be the fact that they need Jake to quarantine for 14 days after this match, so maybe he's home now. Who knows? But we must know the answer, But because we are told that stipulations matter in AEW. I would. What they should definitely do is have a segment where he comes home, and then he has to like sleep in the pool house for a while. And she's just like, <laughs> I mean, you can sleep out there, but you're not coming in here. We, we did see him on... Uh, even on this show, out at the pool. Right. So, the, so exactly. Put him in the pool house. Yeah. You know, get some vignettes of him. Uh, I don't know, hanging Oklahoma pennants in the pool house above the pool noodles <laughs> or something. That's good. Hanging up his old like amateur wrestling earmuffs up there, like. Yeah, and then in, and then in like two weeks we need Catalina on a shot of brandy so she can talk about what it's been like keeping yes. her husband out of the house. Yes, that has to happen. We really should be consulted on content, is all I'm saying. we got a lot of good ideas. See, our, our, our mistake is we're giving it away for free here. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, we're going to start paywalling our right. ideas. <laughs> we got to do the fantasy book. we got to be a, a Patreon show from now on. Tony, yeah. you got to yeah. pay at least eight bucks to get this gold. But we only fantasy book vlog content. <laughs> right. No fantasy book in wrestling. Just stupid no, that. side bullshit with The Sims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the about very depressed Jake Hager and his pool house, uh, sleeping on a bunch of uh, pool furniture cushions. Okay, you're saying pool, like right? They, you're they, saying pool house? Pool house, pool. yeah. Pool. pool house. Yeah. Pool. Pool. <laughs> is this a Texan thing? I'm not sure where this is from. I, I, I mispronounce things normally, and I usually get razzed on no one knowing where exactly I'm from, so I'm not going to continue this. Pool house. Pool. <laughs> Poolhausen, there we go. The pool poolhausen <laughs> with, with Jake Aker. There we go. Let's go. Wait, wait, wait. No, it's like Roadhouse, but it's Poolhouse. Poolhouse. All right. Uh, we can't talk about this anymore. This is going behind the then, paywall. The we end, really should. At the end, somebody really blows up his do house. A show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rips the guy's throat. We should do a Patreon show of just vlog pitches. That would be good. There we go. Yeah, might, we might yeah. have to get somebody actually. We might have to get Drew on so we get someone actually funny to workshop these. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, that yeah. yeah. That actually, yeah, like, let's do that. This is a great idea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, pretend you haven't heard any of this because we'll repeat <laughs> it on the Patreon. <laughs> okay. Uh, normal stuff that I plug at the end, subscribe, rate and review. Check out patreon.com slash everything elite. We would appreciate it. And I think that's it. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. I